Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, one of your hosts today. We got Lisa Franz in the house. Lisa, what's going on? How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you. I'm excited to to record another episode. Yeah, we were just talking before the show started. You've got some really, really good stuff in this one. Plus, we're going to record a question of the week, and they're both dynamite. So I'm excited to get to those. Jeff, what about you? What's uh What's going on over there? I see you looking good in the tank top, posting plenty of update pictures to social saying, quote unquote, just having fun. I'm like, all right, dude, what are you really doing over there? <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, people people keep saying, like, oh, you should compete. You should compete. And I was like, I don't know. Like, Maybe I'll just keep dieting until I'm in striking distance and maybe I'll jump into a show. I don't know. But I am having fun. I am taking it week by week. I have not signed up or paid my registration fees for any shows or or whatever. But, you know, there are a lot of shows in the fall. And uh, if, you know, the mood strikes and I can handle my client load um, without dropping any balls, maybe I'll jump in. I, I think I could still make a good light heavyweight. So what? Uh, so what just just to give a, a quick guess, what would your stage weight be ish? I know that's always within a few pounds, but what would you guess it is? And what do you weigh now? Um, this morning I was like 196. I would probably say like, I'd probably end up being like 190 on stage. Okay. 190, 192. Yeah. My, my weight's kind of weird. Like when I diet, I tend not to lose much scale weight, but I'll just kind of like get leaner and recomp as I, as I, you know, get closer and then I fill out. And obviously when you fill out, you gain some weight back. Sure. Uh, so I don't expect it to change too much. Um, from from now and if i if i were to compete well here here's the huge bonus if you decide not to your insulin sensitivity is going to be great oh yeah you've gotten a lot there's a lot of health benefits to that which we'll talk about at some point of course uh, in detail but in the meantime while you diet i'm going to be eating all the food lisa i don't know if you're dieting you're still off season you're eating all the food as well anything any wins or any important updates that you want to start us off with before we turn the show over yeah, I guess uh, to get into the wins for the last couple of weeks, I was actually just going to say I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I was doing a lean gaining phase over last um, winter, more or less until April and kind of just maintaining over the summer. And I decided to bump my calories back up into a surplus um, a couple of weeks ago. So yay for all the food. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what, about any, what about any wins that you have? You have any cool cool wins that you've had over the last couple of weeks since we recorded last uh me or lisa lisa oh well i was gonna say that's my win for me actually my oh. my food going up <laughs> oh i gotcha gotcha hey clarify that and um, for for me that's a big win always more food I, I can always eat more um which is kind of contrary to our topic today um how to manage hunger but goes in line with meal prep tips and um yeah our personal food food preferences which is essentially what we're going to be talking about well that's good and and that's always we're going to be able to give three different perspectives because we're all kind of in three different spots right now on mm-hmm. this plus we're coaches uh, Jeff, what about you, man? Any cool wins for the last couple of weeks you want to let people know about? Um, you know, from the client side, I would say, you know, I saved a couple of clients from potentially quitting um, coaching based off of how I respond to their complaints 
or you know they're when they squirm under you know increased pressure um so it's been like a change in terms of like how i talk to people and i've been reading some books lately on on how to manage people better and uh trying some things out and they've been working really really well so that's a really good lesson in terms of just management and how it's it's often about how you talk to people and how you frame things that can get people to to do things your way um the the soft hand actually works a lot better than the the hammer yeah. um, so other than that uh i started doing yoga so it started off. So real, I'll keep this quick. But it started don't, off. Don't, just don't like, tell everybody about the post. Don't no, tell no, no, everybody no. about the Facebook post. <laughs> so, <laughs> John saw the Facebook post. Um, I started doing yoga. All right, and um, you know, I started watching these videos on, on YouTube, and it's just like these girls that are, are demonstrating yoga, and you can do it for twenty minutes, thirty minutes, whatever, and. Uh, you know, I was like, all right, cool. You know, this is, this is nice, you know, but I need a little more in-person help, you know? So I signed up for a beginner's, uh, a yoga class. It was, it was $99 for six weeks of hour long classes. You can't beat that. So I went to my first class. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, another win I would say is like my basement bathroom is finally complete. So that was a month long renovation project and now it's done. <laughs> thank you for not talking about the facebook post we're not gonna we're not gonna go there lisa is on the podcast we do have a female on the podcast so we're not gonna go there with the people we'll talk now about everyone's just gonna show. go look <laughs> at my facebook so. <laughs> good, good little hook um i will say that i'm curious to hear more about um your coaching approach and i think we should talk more about this in next week's episode or the next episode essentially when we're talking about some truths about the coaching industry um so yeah i'll be uh, super interested in hearing a little bit more about that awesome. that's uh that that's definitely something i'm looking forward to especially as we've learned at over time um you know some of the best coaches and i don't want to keep us too long here some of the best coaches are the ones that are flexible and they find ways to make things work for a whole host of clientele right because we've got People ranging all different spectrums from gen pop to first timers to advanced bodybuilders to it, it's going to be a good episode. Uh, real quick, my my win is I've been making a ton of shirts. I'm wearing one. If you're watching YouTube, it says execute like a pro. I have made so many shirts and I know people keep asking me when they're going to drop, but we keep having all these other things drop. So like we just dropped our fat muscle pumpkin pie protein and apple pie. So we're busy with all that. And I've got all these shirts ready. So I'm hoping in October. So by the time this drops, you guys will probably see some cool shirts. I'm probably going to give a bunch away. You know, if people spend 99 bucks. We'll throw in a free shirt for you. Let people pick out a shirt. I'm, I'm real big on stuff like that. So I'm having fun. I'm having a ton of fun with, with fat muscle. As far as coaching, um, things are going good. I've got a guy uh, who is just really close to win his IFBB pro card. We're going to push on to the Olympia, uh, the, the amateur Olympia, and he's going to give it another crack there. So um, coaching is good, and uh, I'm just lucky. It, it, this podcast is kind of my fun time for the week. I probably enjoy this more than anything. We get to sit down and educate, talk about all the things that we've learned over time. So Lisa, with that, I'm going to turn it over to you because you've got a hell of a podcast lined up for us. 
Awesome. Cool. Well, it's kind of a two or three segmented uh, podcast, really. The first one really being how to manage hunger in a dieting phase. And I guess, Jeff, you're the best one to kick things off on this. If you okay. want to share, maybe even just, I guess, a, a, a general um, um, note on, on hunger, um, but particularly maybe also your strategies or helpful tips for other people. Sure. Um, I think, first of all, you have to be honest with yourself. And, you know, when you are dieting to lose body fat, you are going to need to be in a calorie deficit, meaning that you burn off more than you take in. Whether this is reducing your intake or increasing your output, you have to create a mathematical calorie deficit. And fat, very simply put, is stored energy. So if you never give your body a chance to tap into the reserves and you keep overeating and overfeeding, your body will never have a reason to tap into body fat and burn it. And therefore you won't get lean. So that is just a hard, cold truth of dieting is that you need to be in a deficit and you will be hungry and you have to accept that. That's, I think that's a really good first point because um, I, I think you'd be surprised to uh, as a non-coach you'd be surprised to hear how many people complain about oh I'm so hungry though <laughs> or what should I do I'm so hungry um, yeah. it, when when they start dieting and I think you probably go through various phases of, of some people when they start off they're not hungry at all and they feel like they could keep, keep going and then suddenly it hits them and bam and they're so hungry and other people where it's just like gradually increasing or sometimes even the other way around where it starts of hungry, uh, they start of hungry and then they learn to manage it a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, John, maybe you want to continue on with, um, I guess, a few tips that you particularly also use with competitors or even uh, with yourself, perhaps. Yeah, the thing that, and I talk to a lot of people about this, obviously through coaching, um, but in seminars, I've talked about this a lot and, and posts I've made. And, and when I talk about it, it starts to click. People need to realize what hunger is and how it ties to dieting. So I want to talk about why people are hungry because it's not just about calories. In a large part, it's actually about the hormone called leptin and it's about your body fat levels. So um, this is how you know you're hungry. So when you're dieting, you're going to get leaner. You're going to lose body fat. So your hunger is going to go up. And when you eat, there's this hormone called leptin, right? And it's primarily made in the fat cells. So every time I talk about this, I grab my, my stomach and I'm like, leptin is made in the fat cells, right? And leptin sends a signal to your brain that says, hey, I'm full, I'm satiated. Um, and the less of that signal you get, the more you feel hungry. So for example, for me, I'm 205 pounds, I'm probably 15 to 18% body fat. And when I diet, I'm not going to be real hungry at first because I've got plenty of body fat. I'm making plenty of leptin, which is sending the signal to my brain that says, hey, you're full, you're satiated, you're okay. Now, when you get a lot leaner, like if, if I were going to diet to be where Jeff is right now, my hunger is going to be through the roof because your body fat shrinks, your body fat goes down. So then your body sends less of a leptin signal to your brain that says you're full. So the lower your body fat, the less you get that signal to the brain that says you're full Absolutely. and you feel hungry. So anyone that's dieted to be very lean, such as where Jeff's at now or beyond to do mm -hmm. a show, your hunger, you feel like you could chew your arm off 30 minutes after you eat because you're <laughs> not getting the chemical signal to your brain. So what I tell clients is, hey, listen, 
as you get hungry when you diet down, this is actually a good sign that you're losing body fat. But most people think it's because, hey, I'm I'm not eating enough food. My calories are low. It's things. It's the leaner you get, the hungrier you are. Now, calories play into it. But I always tell people to embrace hunger. And if you're dieting for a show, this comes with the territory. And you've got to be, you've got to mentally approach it and be ready for it. Because here's the thing: you you chose to diet for a show. Ravenous hunger towards the end is what you have to deal with. You have to go to bed hungry. You have yeah. to accept it. You can't eat anything. But my good friend and one of the fat muscle coaches, Cliff Wilson, talks about this at seminars all the time. He's like, hey, listen, you're going to eat in three hours. You've got your perfectly little prepped food meal of whatever it is you're eating. And there are people literally in other countries who don't know where their next meal is coming from. That is starvation. We have right. planned starvation to get on stage. So when you mentally switch your approach, it becomes easier to deal with. It. And I'll and, and I'll stop there because I'll just keep talking. But that's that's how I prep my clients that start to talk about being hungry. Mm. I think being prepared for it is, is so, so important um, for clients, Jeff, also like like you were saying, and also simply understanding it a little bit better in the sense of, hey, it's, it is a helpful mechanism. Our body is trying to protect us, but we don't need to give in to those primal instincts that are trying to get us to maintain our weight and um, to, to listen to our intuition. Um, I do think that particularly a lot of people that have never followed a meal plan or don't get too much guidance from their coach in terms of what to eat. Um, I think they often head into um, a dieting phase the wrong way in the sense of they cut out the wrong foods that they so that they they actually end up not eating foods that are super satiating or that could help them feel more satiated. Um, or on the other end, um, also, things like their meal timing might be off. So for instance, they have their first meal at like 5 p.m. at 5 a.m. And then the last meal at like seven or eight. That's a really long eating window. So simply by optimizing that meal timing a little bit better and maybe pushing out that first meal to 10 or 9 a.m. instead of having it so early, that can sometimes even just be like a super simple way to not feel quite as hungry. Um, but I guess aside from trying to eat a little bit more vegetables, still getting in the fiber, um, you know, eating other foods that are um, high up on the satiation index, like um, potatoes or egg whites and so on. Um, what are some, like, I guess, uh, other practical tips um, or, or things that you or your clients um, implement to feel a little bit less hungry? Um, Jeff, I guess. Hmm. I will, I'll give some quick tips. I want to impart one more thing on, on people, right? So when you are, when you're dieting, you're getting lean, you are oftentimes forcing your body to step outside of a comfort zone. And whenever us as humans, we step outside of a comfort zone, we are going to be met with resistance, either if it's internal resistance or external resistance. And so dieting, requires some pain, right? That is the resistance that we feel. It's the hunger that we feel. Just like when you are trying to better your education and you're, you're studying for exams, that's why, you know, kids cheat on tests because it's hard to study and memorize all that stuff and improve. It's easier to cheat. It's easier to step outside of a relationship or a marriage when things get hard. Human beings have a tendency of avoiding resistance and pain. We run towards pleasure and what's easy for us. And so you, 
people listening may have heard that, you know, the things that you hate to do the most are probably the things that you need to do. You know, the things that you hate are the things that you need to do. So these are like, you know, before you even attempt a dieting phase, you need to accept these things and know that you will meet resistance and it's up to you how you deal with them. Now, in terms of practical application on how to deal with resistance, one thing that I do is I don't eat my first meal until about 10 or 11 o'clock. I'll get up around six, do my cardio, drink my coffee, my water, and do some work. I don't begin my eating until 10 or 11. Why? Because most people who are dieting, you're not eating enough. And it's those, the, the hunger hormones and the hunger critters come out to play in the kitchen at night. Yeah. Around eight o'clock, you're, you're dipping your finger into like a packet of stevia like this, or you're eating crystal light powder out of your hand, doing weird stuff like that. Not saying that I'm doing that now, but I have in the past. That stuff happens at night. So if you can push your food off so that you have some nice sweet potato and chicken left at 9 p.m. and you take a hot shower and go to bed, that's a great way to prevent some weird things from happening in the kitchen. Jeff, I can see in there in their stevia packets, just just licking it off your hand, man. Uh, <laughs> I've done the stevia mixed with cocoa powder, and you mix yeah. it in your palm, and you. <laughs> I guess speaking of sweeteners, um, like is that is that something that you guys talk um, about with with your clients, um, in the sense of you set a limit or is that actually something where you encourage them hey um diet sodas are a great way even just because of the carbonation to fight off hunger um I, I i know that some people take the if it fits your macro approach just way too far and you know you you add sweeteners to everything and that's not necessarily a good thing either um but yeah john maybe you want to comment on the whole sweetener thing yeah it's something to where and, you know, going back to coaching different clientele, right? This is something where I want to be real careful. If people could avoid sweeteners in general, great. Totally great. Um, I don't think that they're the devil. I think that they can be over abused. Things, especially like sucralose, if you over consume them or sugar alcohols in general um, are another thing too. But I don't limit those unless someone's starting to have some issues. And, and I'm talking about when someone's really hungry. So if they want to have a diet soda to help um, curb hunger. I think diet soda carbonation in general is great. Um, I like to tell people if you're going to do that, make sure it doesn't have caffeine in it. Because like Jeff said, it seems like hunger hunger comes out a little bit more later at night because you've moved throughout the day, you've worked out, you've done these things that actually increase your metabolic rate like workouts. So then you're hungrier later after you work out, right? So, if, you know, you want to have a diet orange soda with no caffeine in it, it 10 o'clock at night, I have Starry's in the fridge right now. They're, they're diet Starry's, no caffeine. It's basically like a Sprite. It's like a little can. I'll sit there and sip on that at night. It's kind of a little treat, but it also keeps me from wanting to go eat a little bit extra, right? So I'm okay with things like that. Um, coffee, decaf coffee, kind of the same thing. Coffee mm -hmm. suppresses hunger. Um, you've got some good things listed out here. Um, gum is one thing, but I also tell my clients not to go ape shit on gum because there are two sugar alcohols there. I think we talked about on that in a prior podcast here, not too long ago. Um, I'm okay with those things. It's, it's the foods that 
Jeff, I've talked about this. You've called these Frankenstein foods, and I've stole yeah. that term from you so many times, but I always give you credit. That's the perfect thing that I like people to avoid. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, if you want to talk about Frankenstein foods and what those are, I think you're the perfect person to do that. Those can yeah. really help suppress hunger, but they can jack your stomach yeah. up big time. And do we actually know how many calories are in those? So Jeff, what's your take on, on Frankenstein foods? Yeah, so so the, the term Frankenstein foods refers to you know, heavily modified or processed, quote unquote, health foods, like, you know, um, keto cookies, or fat free peanut butter, Um, things that just like don't exist in nature, but somehow chemically, they've managed to make it seem like it is the real thing, but it's not. And the problem is, it's like, you know, if you use a little bit of let's say Walden Farms was a very well known company, I don't think a lot of people use Walden Farms much now but they used to have a a a calorie free peanut butter that was literally a jar of chemicals yeah and so (laughs) if you were someone who happened to like some of that stuff on a a slice of bread or mix it into your oatmeal and you only use that one product that's fine but the problem is is like there's so many different products now you know when people face that resistance that hunger they are chewing sugar-free gum they're consuming tons of calorie-free sodas, teas. They're using Walden Farms ketchup, G. Hughes barbecue sauce, Flavor God, um, whatever else is out there. So your diet is like filled now with all these sugar alcohols and other chemicals and things like that. And I have seen firsthand people bloated to the high heavens on PrEP because, and then they take something like BCAAs, which can be helpful and perfectly beneficial, but yet they, they drink like 20 scoops of it right. in a gallon jug, and then they're not losing weight. So that's the problem with all these Frankenstein foods and, and crutches that people lean on when they're dieting. You know, this oh, is... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to... You reminded me of something, Jeff. During peak week, um, and we used to catch shit for this about 10, 15 years ago from the quote-unquote research-based community and the research-based coaches, right? That that became popular in like 2012. Um, I used to, and I still do pull out everyone's uh, Walden Farms. Yeah. I, I pull out sweeteners. I do all that during peak week. And everybody used to make fun of us and say, well, you can't pull water from under the skin. I'm like, hey, listen, asshole, I'm not pulling it from the skin. Watch their watch their weight. And sure enough, people drop two or three pounds every week on peak week when they pulled that stuff out. And you're not going to drop two or three pounds from dropping 10 carbs from all the sweeteners, right? It's inflammation in the gut. And it's exactly what Jeff was just talking about. And to get on stage, you want the smallest waistline possible. So I did pull out diet sodas and monsters and things like that. And lo and behold, stomach got smaller, their inflammation went down and they dropped two or three pounds. They weren't holding all that in their stomach. So that's to me was in the trenches proof of what you can see as a coach by pulling out these sweeteners and things. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree um, with that approach, Jeff, in the sense of like, nothing. it's not the thing itself. It's just, it's the quantity, um, whether that isn't for someone prepping for a show or just even gen- general population. But I'll add another thing to that. Um, and that I actually deal a little bit more often with, and that is um, over overdoing it uh, not just in terms of fiber but these quote-unquote zero calorie vegetables so you know people having not Mm -hmm. 
even just a salad bowl, but like a family-sized salad bowl full of iceberg lettuce with like three cucumbers and I don't know how much celery and whatnot. And you're like, okay, and none of this is bad. On the contrary, these are all amazing foods. But again, you're not actually serving your gut and you're not embracing the hunger for what it is. Like what what are we actually doing here? Or just way over hydrating as well. That's that's another thing just so that you do not ever feel that hunger. Um yeah, th those are things that I see more often actually. Yeah, the the over consuming vegetables, like people doing the cauliflower rice and uh you know just eating bags of broccoli, that's a lot of raffinose, which is a a sugar that's found in cruciferous vegetables. And some people have a hard time with their gut when you consume that much raffinose and you get bloated and gassy. Um, but you know, one crutch leads to another. That's why I prefaced this whole episode. And I began and I said, expect to be hungry and embrace mm -hmm. it and expect resistance because you, you use one crutch, it leads to another. Cause that's just how humans are. We, we think we can get away with one thing, well, we can get away with this too. Well, we can get away with that. And then it, it, it ends up adding up and it takes you down at the Absolutely. end. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, I do want to seg segue into hunger in a reverse diet and what mm. you guys have experienced or seen in there because I think it 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 varies um uh, and of course I cannot speak to this as a competitor because I have never um, been stage lean or been competing but um yeah what's what's your experience with that has did hunger actually increase in a reverse diet for you um how to I guess talk to your clients throughout that time as well because I mean the the highlight the competition is already behind you or you've already reached your goal weight so uh, their motivation usually is not quite as high anymore throughout the reverse mm. yeah it's, um, yeah yeah i'll take this one um and kick it off so the first book i wrote was called metabolic capacity and reverse dieting and one of the things i touched on was hunger in the reverse because a lot of people don't realize it's it, mentally you're more hungry, right? We've all got mental hunger, bored hunger is what I call it, but then you have physical hunger as well. So the physical hunger makes a lot of sense. So after you're done dieting, your calories are low. Maybe a female's done dieting and she's done is 1200 calories is the lowest calories. And all of a sudden you start reverse dieting, maybe at a, a hundred or 200 calories right out of the gate. And we can do a whole episode on sorry, my phone is ringing, do a whole episode on reverse dieting at some point. But the hunger component makes sense because if you think about it, when you're dieting, cortisol is high. And when cortisol is higher and your body fat's lower, you're going to be more hungry. Here's the other side of it. When you start to add food, cortisol drops. So what happens when cortisol drops, you actually, your thyroid hormone starts to improve. You start to make more thyroid hormone. And your hunger starts to go up as you add food. Now I'm talking about systematically adding food and not going out and binging. I'm talking about, you know, if I have a female and she's 1200 calories and I jump her up to 1400 and she's sticking to that really well, her hunger is going to go up because cortisol is going to go down and her, she's going to start making more thyroid hormone and her metabolism is going to start to speed up. And as that happens, I've seen people more hungry on a reverse than they were during a prep. And mm -hmm. Then you throw the mental component in, hey, I don't have to do this. I'm hungry. I can just go ahead and go eat a little bit extra. And it and it then you have the mental hunger that is combined. So hunger on reverse is definitely a real thing. Um, 
there are people that like to get body fat up a lot faster because of this. Um, and for other health reasons, you know, especially for females, um, I don't like to see people, natural competitors gain a lot of fat too fast because the thing is most people have issues for months after they do a show or they do a really hard diet. So I try and slow that fat gain down because if I do it too fast, they're still going to keep gaining after because they're mentally struggling. So there's all kinds of different ways we can do a whole podcast on this, but it's definitely a real thing in reverse dieting. Absolutely. Agreed. What's I your view? Say, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just going to say, what's, what's your view on this? Oh, okay. So with re reverse dieting, again, you know, I would, I would begin with a, a foundation of uh, mental awareness that your goal is to put on body fat. Because the sooner you put on body fat, the sooner those leptin and ghrelin signals that John had mentioned earlier become normalized. The sooner you regain your menstrual cycle, if you're a woman who happened to lose it towards the last couple of weeks of prep. So you need to have body fat as a prerequisite. The key is, is that, you know, as physique competitors, we would prefer not to overshoot that minimal requirement. We just want to be healthy. We don't need to add excess body fat on top of that. So, you know, for a while, I think, you know, I was one of the coaches that subscribed to this. This was probably like in the early 2000s or, you know, mid 2000s where people would add, you know, five grams of carbs back or 10 grams of carbs to the diet. And literally 10 grams of carbs is less than one rice cake. So that's the amount of food that you're adding back. And that just prolonged the hormonal dysfunction for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then there was almost like a competition amongst people who they would say, oh, you know, like I'm eight weeks after the show and, you know, I'm still shredded and I, I only gained one pound. But we, I think as a community, realized that that probably wasn't something to be proud of or a way to reverse people. So my take on it now is get people right up. I'll, I'll bump their carbs. If their carbs were like 80 grams, let's say, for a woman dieting into the show, I bring her right back to 150. Nice. So a little bit more of a almost a recovery um, diet approach as opposed to a reverse diet. Um, yeah. And I guess I, I'll speak to this more from a um, lifestyle coaching or gen pop coaching perspective where we don't necessarily always want to um, or need to increase body fat. Let's just say, you know, you get someone to lifestyle lean and then you want to bring calories back up. That's, of course, a completely different scenario where I do think, um, of course, the 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 same applies in terms of principles but it's also just as important to have that conversation as to hey um expect hunger to potentially go up as we reverse just because we've reached the goal and and that's really difficult because sometimes you have clients that reach the goal and then they want to stop um, coaching right away. I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but I think we, we spoke about that where Jeff, you mentioned you, you um, require for them to continue working with you for another three months or so afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't have the same requirements since I coach more lifestyle clients. And then often we reach the goal. I'm like, whoa, 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 no, hang on. And now it's about learning to set that up for maintenance and going through that reverse diet. And when they're, if, if they 
potentially say, oh, no, I'm, I'm fine on my own. I know how to do that. Um, almost always they'll come back a little bit later, um, having gained more weight back because they listened to their body's cues. And in the reverse side, that's the absolute worst time to be listening to your body's cues. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. But another time where um, hunger is not so much of an issue or where hunger is of an issue in a different way is perhaps if we go into a calorie surplus and people will say like, I'm just not that hungry. Like, how can I eat more? How, how, how should they go about it? Do you ever tell them to just suck it up and just almost force feed or um, particularly also those women that you um, maybe were talking about if they eat or have been eating 1200 calories for years and suddenly they're like, Oh, I'm eating 1300. I'm so full. I can't eat anymore. <laughs> like how, how do you have that conversation? What do you do with them? Um, yeah, Jeff, go ahead. Um, so no hunger in a surplus. I mean, again, you know, if you're trying to change your body, you're going to have resistance, your body. Otherwise, you know, I would have been 150 pounds still, you know, if I hadn't met that resistance and overcome it. So you can obviously use some foods that are a little more calorie dense, a little more, you know, tasty. Um, one way to do it is to just make sure that you hit your protein total and then let the calories fall where they may. Yep. You know, there are situations where I've done that. And I say, you know, let's not eat all junk food because your inflammation, your insulin resistance is going <laughs> to go up. But, um, you know, get your protein in, get your 200 grams of protein. Let's say we're talking about a 180 pound guy. And then, you know, fit the rest of your calories however you want with whatever foods you enjoy. That's nice. one way to do it. Um, another way to do it is to add little bits to cardio. A lot of people tend to strip cardio out when they are in a surplus, thinking that it's going to, you know, impact your gains or whatever, but a little bit of cardio, especially fasted cardio, maybe cardio mid-afternoon re-stimulates appetite and helps eat a little bit more. Nice. Good. Some nice practical tips there. Yeah. Um, and John, what about, what about you? How would you approach that? You know, it's, it's one thing too. Um, I'm always looking for ways to improve insulin sensitivity once someone's been in a calorie surplus for quite a while. So um, typically if I get someone that needs to eat and they're, maybe it's a guy and I've got them up to 3000 calories, for example, right? Someone like me, that that's pretty, that's a good amount of food in the off season. I'm just not hungry. Over time, insulin sensitivity could be going down. Um, and if that's the case, I'll test blood sugar about three to four hours after a carb meal. And if it's anywhere, you know, above 95, you know, that's starting, that tells me insulin sensitivity is starting to go down and we want to improve that, which will improve some hunger and it will make you process food better. So when you're somebody's just been pounding, pounding food for a while, it's very common to not be hungry and insulin sensitivity kind of go to shit. So we just do a quick mini cut, lower carbs, maybe raise fats a little bit in place and you give your body a little bit of a break and you diet for a short amount of time. And then boom, you're right back to it. You start adding your food back in, you're processing it better and you're not going to be starving hungry, but you're also going to know, Hey, it's probably time to eat. You know, it lets you start to feel those uh, hunger singles, signals again, but it's also because your body fat went down a little bit. So I always tie it to what I said in the very beginning if you're never hungry, it's not just about how much food you're eating. It's about your body fat level. So if your body fat's starting to get to a level to where you're never hungry, it could be getting a little higher than you want. So every person is different and that's the art of coaching, but that's always what I'm looking at. 
Nice. And I guess I'll, I'll just add to that a little bit also uh, looking through their their foods, what they are eating. And for a lot of women, again, going for, from the opposite end of the spectrum, if they just eat super, super clean or, um, you know, complex carbs, et cetera, maybe getting them to, hey, let's, let's eat some of those more highly palatable foods um, that will actually allow you to fit in a bit more without um, being super full right away. Um, yeah, and I guess speaking about uh, eating more or just eating in general, let's transition into meal prep and meal prep tips. Um, I'm super curious curious to hear that one from both of you. Um, if you do meal prep yourself, if so, how often? If you utilize any awesome kitchen gadgets, or perhaps if you're even outsourcing it and um, util utilizing some meal prep services. Um, yeah, uh, I guess, Jeff, go ahead. Sure. Um, it, it Are we talking when we're dieting or when we're, we're off season? Oh, yeah, I guess you can talk about both <laughs> if there is okay. a big difference. In the off season, I'm much more lenient. I probably will get takeout from either a sushi restaurant or an Italian restaurant in town probably three or four times a week. But I always order the same stuff. You know, it's it's pretty clean. It's the fish, it's the steak with the potato or, you know, salmon with risotto or whatever. Um, I also use meal prep companies. So I like Mega Fit Meals. Uh, I'm not endorsed by them or anything. It's just I, I use them. Um, I was buying the uh, the Chris Bumstead box for a while. And then they also have, um, you know, a la carte where they you can just order, you know, the chicken, the steak, the sweet potatoes and the rice. It's not combined together in a meal. It's separate. So you can kind of dole out whatever portions you want. That to me saves me a lot of time. I'm a guy who's always working for my clients. I have a housekeeper. I have landscapers. I have a stylist that comes to my house that cuts my hair. So naturally, I would have a meal prep company taking care of my food as well. However, when I'm in prep, I take things in my own hands because I don't trust any deviations and I eat some really basic shit. So I'll eat the same foods day in and day out. And um, I tend to prepare all of my meats and then the carbs and the veggies, I can kind of go like on the fly. But the proteins I make sure are, are pre-cooked and prepped. Awesome. Nice. That's a good little insight. What about you, John? So I'm really, really bad because this is the ultimate bro house. It's me, a 16-year-old, and a twenty, my 23-year-old son. And it's total bro. And my 16 year old has full six pack abs, eight pack abs. Um, he can eat whatever he wants and he's a kid. Right. So I, I, I don't care. He's got frozen pizza in there. He's got all that kind of stuff. I tend to live real easy and I drink a lot of shakes because I'm always on the run. I'm either driving somewhere, but I don't typically like to sit there and just chew my food at this point. So I, I will drink four to five shakes a day. I'm not going to sit here and pro plug the supplement company, but I made the shakes with such low ingredients basically because I have to have that, right? So no stomach issues or anything. I'll just drink a lot of shakes, but then I like to eat my carbs or fats with that. So I may have, you know, whey protein and peanut butter is a perfect example. I have to keep my fats and saturated fats lower because of genetic cholesterol. So I just find it a lot easier. I'll do like a lot of canned chicken and that will make people turn their nose up, right? Because it smells like tuna. It looks like tuna, but it's chicken. It's actually not, it's totally fine. I don't like to cook. I don't like to do that. After 15 years of this, I just don't care about food anymore. So 
in the off season. I, it's really helpful for people to hear though, because I'd say that that applies to more people than uh, we yeah. often realize. Where they just say like, "I really don't like cooking," or "I also don't care." I, I I have to say that I'm the opposite end of the spectrum. I always like to eat and chew my food. For me, food um it doesn't have to be pleasurable. That's not what I'm saying, especially not about every meal. Um, but I do truly get a lot of joy out of the meals in my day. In mm -hmm. saying that, though, they're very, very simple. Most of the time, also, I love potatoes a lot more than I like rice. But still, so I'll always have like prepped or pre-cooked potatoes in the fridge. I'll have some boiled eggs in the fridge and um, some other protein source, or sometimes even just string cheese or low-fat cottage cheese. That those are like staples. Um, and then I I usually add like some micro microwave vegetables or microwave broccoli or something like that so that's how I keep it simple because again also like time is of the essence I usually don't spend more than maybe 10-15 minutes um preparing for a meal um and if it's just me on my own I'll do like maybe two meal prep sessions in a week maybe on a Sunday maybe another one on a Thursday if I run out of something um but Yeah, I um I I probably eat out like twice a week or so, and same as as you, Jeff. I'll tr usually stick with the same staples, center my meals around protein there, and I know what I get from certain places. Um, but yeah, pretty simple on that front as well, and trying to utilize some some helpful gadgets like slow cook slow cooker. Um, if I feel like making a chili or a rice cooker for other things. Um, I see so many people with uh, air fryers. I'm really intrigued. I've actually never used one, but I mean, it, it, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't have one. I've never had one since I move around so much. Like, I'm going to buy my... you one for Christmas. <laughs> okay. I might have to become sedentary then or not sedentary, but might have to settle down somewhere so that I actually can, can use this, use it. because that's always my issue. If I go to like an Airbnb or I, I move around those kitchens just usually have uh, like the, the basic equipment. Equipment. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll get to use one somewhere someday. <laughs> I, I will tell you the thing I will spend a lot of time on right now is I got a Ninja Creamy and I um, know everybody, Jeff, do you have one? I've heard of them. I don't have one. You making that ice cream? Yeah. Lisa, do you have one? You, I, I'm saying... I don't have one, but I have actually used one at a friend's house with, we made okay. low-fat cottage cheese ice cream and it was yeah. delicious. I am going to do a video on this soon. And I'm telling you, I take our fat muscle whey protein, some almond milk, and a little bit of unflavored casein, which I get from my manufacturer. He he gives it to me. And I'm literally having, and you can't even tell the difference. It, I, I mean, it tastes like ice cream. It's crazy. And I'm making that and I'm getting like 40, 50 protein, like five carbs and like three fat per serving. And I will sit there and eat that. And it doesn't take a long time when you have them all prepared. So stay tuned. I'll, I'll have a video on how to do this. You can order them on Amazon. They're, they're back in stock now. It's probably the best thing I've ever bought. And I don't like to spend time doing anything, but that if you're dieting really, really helps. And the volume on the ice cream is insane. So That's just a little awesome. tidbit, stay tuned for that. And of course, it yeah. takes some time to eat it as well since it's frozen. So that's that's a great strategy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think um, there are other really helpful things that people often overestimate what they need to do in order to be prepared when it comes to meals. But there are so many convenient things. I mean, like I mentioned, um, frozen vegetables, super, super convenient 
takes a few minutes in the microwave to heat, but there are other, um, even like frozen meals, you just need to look at the ingredient list beforehand before you purchase them and not just buy the the next best thing or not yeah. pur- purchasing the, the fries or whatever, but there are actually pretty healthy um, frozen meals or pre-prepared um, meals. I don't know what, what your guys' take is on this. Um, maybe, yeah, Jeff, you want to com- comment on things like that? My take on frozen meals? Frozen meals or let's say a buying a, a rotisserie chicken somewhere and using that for your meal prep or salad bags that are already pre-chopped or things like what kind of hack quote unquote hacks do you give your clients if they're like, I don't want to cook and I can't afford a meal prep service. Mm, okay. Yeah. There are a lot of um, what would be called pre-prepped uh, meal prep items. So for example, uncle Ben's uh, there, they, and there are other brands too, but it's basically pre-cooked rice in a pouch that you literally, you know, you, you cut open, you peel it open like an inch, stick it in your microwave. And literally in 90 seconds, you microwave it and the rice is cooked. You dump it out on your plate. Um, there's, you know, bird's eyes, like another, as a brand that does a lot of vegetables. Um, you know, most, you know, grocery stores now in the deli section have grilled chicken, sirloin tips, salmon, and things like that all prepared and you can order it by the pound or you can get um, Purdue um, offers, you know, grilled chicken in a bag. Um, it, it's sliced up. So that's like a really easy airport airport or, or in-flight meal for protein. Right. So these are these are great rotisserie chickens. I would caution people on rotisserie chickens only because I used to work in a grocery store like when I, when I first started. <laughs> I, I had this, I had to get a job, right? When I was building my coaching business. So, so I worked in a, a grocery store and I was the guy that took the rotisserie chickens. They, they come in a giant bag. Like a, imagine like a gallon trash bag just filled with chicken and it's in brine and like a solution. And I was the guy that took the chickens out and put them on the spit and put the spits up into the giant roaster. And now these chickens, as they turn on the roaster, they the fat drippings drip all over each other. Okay. And then you're 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 eating that. That's being absorbed into the, the meat. And there's the brine too. That's why rotisserie chickens taste so good compared <laughs> to like a plain chicken breast that you cook on a George Foreman. So I would caution and be aware of, of things like that. And one more caution that I would give based off of what I just said here is that Uncle Ben's rice, if you're going to use that brand, they have a lot of different flavors. Okay. So use the Jasmine or the Basmati rice. They have like butter flavored rice or they have like other types of rice and it is not the same macros. So don't just grab an orange pouch and assume that all the rices are the same. They're not. Really good point. (laughs) There's some helpful things there. What about you, John? Any tips? I was going to say just, I just have one. Um, I carry in my car and my truck, both uh, Cliff Wilson and I designed it. It's our complete meal replacement. And I know this is turning into a huge plug for fat muscle, but it is what it is. Um, it's our meal replacement protein powder. And literally all it has is it's, it's whey protein. And then it also has um, oats, ground up oats. And it's not chunky. Like you can't tell it's like super fine. In one scoop, and there's like six, seven ingredients. That's it's super, super quote unquote clean. One scoop's 20 protein, 20 carbs, five fats. So to me, we developed it to where one scoop would be perfect for a female, 
if you're a guy, do one and a half or two scoops and you just take it and you go. So I always keep that with me. Um, so I've got enough. Am I cutting out guys? Yeah. Okay. Basically, I just want to say I keep our complete meal replacement in, in the car or in the truck with me. Cliff Wilson and I designed it. 20 protein, 20 carbs, five fats for one scoop. Perfect for a female. If you're a guy, do a scoop and a half, do two scoops for about 40 protein, 40 carbs, 10 fats. And we designed it that way. So I always keep that kind of stuff with me so I don't have to take food or do things like that. So that's kind of, you know, a hack that Cliff and I came up with, you know, that works well. Nice. Awesome. Well, I, I guess my last question before we wrap things up is um, how your guys' cheat meals, if you ever had or did any, um, have kind of evolved over time. Um, yeah, Jeff, maybe you go ahead and start with that one also. It, you know, John, you said something earlier and you said that you just don't care about food anymore. You're very practical about yeah. things. That happens for our listeners right now who struggle with cravings and you know when you get to the restaurant you have every intention on ordering the the steak with the baked potato but then like you just you know you get the appetizer and then you're just like ah oh, fuck it like i'm just gonna just yeah. eat those decisions and those feelings go away over time yep it may take years and i'm talking five six seven eight nine ten years but it will go away i used to be the guy that you know, I would go to a, a bistro type place. I would order the nachos, the, you know, the shrimp roll-ups or whatever fried stuff they have. And then I would order a double burger, get a fr set of fries. Then I would get dessert. Then on the way home, I'd go get ice cream. It was just like a, like a binge fest. And granted, I'm older now, so I can't eat like that anymore anyway. But over time, my cheat meals became, you know, a steak and like a side order of sweet potato fries and a glass of wine or, you know, roasted like like grilled like fish or something with, you know, uh, like risotto or something and a salad. And I started enjoying that because I didn't feel great for two, three days after consuming the nachos and the burgers and the ice cream and all that stuff. And over time, you're just like, why am I why am I doing this? why am I keep doing this to myself and you, you learn the lesson. So, you know, that, that's uh, such a good point. And I think that takes time to get there. Just like you said, Jeff, because if we could go back and talk to Jeff and John, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, we, we could hear what we're saying now, but we wouldn't have applied it. We needed time. I think to go through feeling like that and going through just the motions of, doing this for so long, it just becomes part of what we do. Right. Um, it, that's my take on it. But, you know, my free meals now are, I went and had, let's see this weekend, I went and had some shrimp tacos, which was not that much. They're tiny little tacos. And then I also ordered, um, a salmon Caesar salad and that's what I had. And I had decaf coffee with it and I was full and that was plenty of calories, let me tell you, because the fat was pretty high on that. It was probably, I don't know, 60, 70 carbs. Not a big deal, but I had that. And that's way better than ordering pizza and then having brownies from Domino's come with it because that was me. I was always like, let's order a bunch of pizza. Let's get all the sweets with it. And let's watch movies upstairs for five hours, you know, in the home theater that I've got right above me. And that that was a thing. And then you feel like 
trash. You're farting all night. Like your stomach's distended. <laughs> like you feel disgusting. Your face is all swollen the next day. Yeah. Um, you know, over time you get tired of feeling like that. So a lot of mine also was health related with the cholesterol and the genetic issues there. So now I, I look at that shit and I don't even care about it. So I tend to try and be a little, little healthier if I can, but it takes time. So for our listeners out there, give yourself a little grace. You're going to get past this. Um, and sometimes you have to just give it time. That's it. Nice. I mean, I can, even I, even though I never again was um, dieting for too long, but um, I can attest to that, that it takes time and more coming from a restrictive dieting perspective when I was doing things like paleo and stuff like that, then I would really plan out like my quote unquote cheat days where, oh, okay. And that day I'm going to go for an um, all you can eat buffet where I'm also allowed the rice and the cookies and whatever, or I'd plan the weekend and what I would, what kind of pancakes I would make and stuff like that, just because it was completely off limit. Now that I I'm following macros and I can technically fit in anything that I want at any time, I feel so much more um, liberated anyway, but yeah, that's, that certainly has, has taken some time and a mindset shift as well. But yeah, I think there were um, hopefully a lot of um, helpful takeaways for the listeners in there. And um, our next episode after the next Q&A and next full length episode, as I was saying, is going to be more about the truths of the coaching industry. So for all you other coaches out there, stay tuned. Um, and yeah, any anything else you guys want to add to this week's episode? I, uh, I, I noticed one thing I highlighted on here, and I meant to say this back in the beginning when we started. So it's my fault. Um, I do want to talk real quick just about the difference in whole foods versus processed foods, because there's actually been some studies done on this. Now, mm -hmm. for my clients, if you hit your macros and you can eat the foods that you enjoy and you can make it a lifestyle, I'm okay if you want to have some pancakes post-workout or if you want to have some fruity pebbles and pour some whey protein over it like that. I'm okay with that kind of stuff. But there's some interesting research that that shows, and it makes sense, if you eat a lot of processed foods versus whole foods, like, for example, chicken and a potato and some broccoli versus a shake and, you know, some cereal or a shake and pancakes or something, right? The processed foods break down so much faster, and the thermic effect of those foods overall is going to be less, meaning... When you eat something, there's a thermic effect to it. Your body expends calories to actually break it down and process it. So the more fiber you have, the more slow digesting carbs you have, slower digesting proteins you have, like chicken over whey protein, the more calories it actually takes. And Jeff, you probably remember back in the day, you know, guys like, you know, Hani and, and Chris Aceto and all that, they're making their people just eat like chicken, fish, like no whey, pre whey protein, nothing. Yeah. They weren't doing it because of the thermic effect. They're doing it because they thought the cleaner you eat, the you know, the leaner you're going to look. But now science, which is always behind, has now came forward and showed, well, there's more of a thermic effect. So you're going to burn more calories. Do I think it's going to make a huge difference over time? No, but if you're just eating trash and processed foods, basically, if you're doing the John Gorman diet, you're just drinking shakes and, and, and eating some peanut butter and some quick carbs, right? <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to burn as many calories over time. So there is that to kind of think of, there's just more of a thermic effect. And if somebody dieting for stage, you know, maybe, maybe that extra little bit helps get you that 1% leaner. So something to think about, Jeff, I, I don't know if that's something yeah. that you've thought a lot about. I'm sure you have knowing the way you are, uh, but I figure I'd throw it out there. I've definitely thought of it. Um, I would add, you know, 
you know, the thermic effect is definitely one aspect of it. But, you know, when you eat highly inflammatory foods, highly processed foods, foods that, you know, trigger really rapid and high insulin release. Yeah. You do stimulate like an inflammatory cascade is what I would say, which begins in your hypothalamus. And there are what's called cytokines in your body. And these are basically like chemical messengers of inflammation. So there's, you know, cytokines like JNK, IKK, TNF alpha, these things that you could probably look up in Google, but they basically signal to your whole body that, you know, it's on fire. There's something wrong. And so when you keep doing that over time, that's how insulin resistance develops. Cause you know, we know insulin resistance is like someone knocking on your door and you, know, you can't hear it, right? The yeah. cell, the cell itself can't hear insulin and doesn't respond. And that's why it's resistant to insulin. And that's, that's basically how it develops. And, and even just one, one inflammatory meal that's processed or whatever signals that cascade from your brain. You do that over and over again, over years. That's why we have metabolic disease and insulin resistance and diabetes and all that kind of stuff. 100%. Awesome. I think that's a very good way to, to round out the episode. Cool. Yeah, this this has been a good episode. We, I do want to tell our listeners, anytime you want to message us, just go to the show notes. All of our information is there. If you want to get a hold of us or anything, if you want to hear any guests, topics, send questions in for the Q&A, <clears throat> make sure you hit pause real quick. Leave us a review. Um, those are getting up there. We're in the 40s now. We're going to give away a $250 nice. gift card to the Fat Muscle Store as soon as we get up to 50. So get those in there. We really appreciate it. Even if you think it's one star, which we know it's not. It's a five star. So leave it the five star. But with that, looking being, at the reviews right now to see what people have said. Yeah, yeah, we're, they're. Uh, I think they're all five stars. I think maybe we have four. So I'm pretty happy with that. Go ahead and leave that, and stay tuned for our next episode from Jeff, Lisa, and myself. We're out of here. See you guys. Awesome. Thank you for listening.